Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, October 29th, 2021. If you are listening to this podcast and you are a husband or you desire to be a husband, listen up today because we are going to speak, look at one of the verses in the New Testament that speaks most directly to husbands. And it is only one verse long, but boy, does it pack a punch. I like to say that Peter only gives one verse to the husbands in what we're reading today because he knows it's all we can handle and we will be working on it for the rest of our lives. So I want to highlight this verse, especially for any husbands or future husbands out there today. And we're going to look at 1 Peter 3 verse 7. It says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And so as you think about that verse, it's a command to husbands to live with your wives in an understanding way, um, showing honor to them. And then there's that phrase at the bottom saying, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I like to paraphrase this verse by basically saying, husbands, listen to your wives or God is not going to listen to you. Uh, There are a couple main problems that I see uh, just kind of, especially men, whether it's as husbands or fathers making um, when it comes to their families amongst kind of Uh, self-proclaimed Christian men in our world, and especially in our culture. And those two problems, I think, are self or male abdication, where the male is abdicating the leadership role that God gives him in the home and in marriage. And then on the other hand, a male domination, where the man is trying to be the leader, but he is going about doing it in a way that God says, no, 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 no. That is not what this is about. And unfortunately, we, we see a lot of men just not seeking to lead at all in their marriages, lead at all in their home with parenting. And that is something I think we see uh, throughout scripture. Uh, that, that is not the way it should be. We, we see even in the Old Testament, the example of the Proverbs, the father speaking to his son, right? We see in the New Testament, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. There is a leadership role there, but God knows also then men that actually take that seriously, there's going to be another temptation that they are faced with. And that is what I like to call the the temptation of male domination, where they are going to lead, they are going to rule with an iron fist, they are going to put their foot down and insist on their way, and that is something God cautions men against. Even think of Colossians, there's also only one verse to husbands there, and it says the husbands need to love their wives, but also highlights do not be harsh with them. And then we get to this, to live with your wives in an understanding way. And that even connects in my mind with the other most famous marriage passage in the New Testament, Ephesians 5. Uh, What's very famous is husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, Well, 
Uh, it also tells husbands, love your wives as your own bodies, as your own flesh, nourish, just like you nourish and cherish your own flesh, nourish and cherish your wife. And that's where understanding will take work. Guys, you understand yourself because you are yourself, right? You know what you're thinking and why you're thinking it, but now God has introduced another person into the mix. So even simply because it's another person, you have to work to understand them. You already know what you're thinking. You already know what you're feeling. You're going to have to listen to understand what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And God is directing you to do that. Also, not only is it a different person, it's a different kind of person. God created us male and female and has designed marriage to be one man and one woman. So especially husbands, not only are you married to somebody else, you're married to a woman. So she's physically built different than you, emotionally wired different than you. And God is telling you, hey, I want you to lead this person, but you have to work to understand them and you need to show honor to them. It says as the weaker vessel. Now, I think simply just, you know, what does that mean? Well, let's go to the Olympics webpage. Let's look at all the world records. And I think you're going to see, you know, all the the male world records are generally, you know, they, they can run faster, swim faster, jump higher, all of these different things, right? Men are just at large, normally bigger, faster, stronger uh, than females. And here we are showing honor. And obviously the the ultimate kind of perversion of this that unfortunately we see way too much in our world and our society is when men abuse their wives, right? They're abusing that fact that, that the woman is the weaker vessel. God is calling us to something that's completely the opposite, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So men, how are you doing listening to your wives if you're married. And if, if you're hoping to be married, you need to consider how you're going to have to work at that. It's going to take work to, to listen and to learn how somebody else thinks, how somebody else feels and to lead in light of that. God is telling you, he is commanding you. Yes, I want you to lead, but I want you to leave to lead in consideration of your wife, understanding her desires, treating her desires even like you would treat your own desires, loving your wife like your own flesh. So let's avoid the pitfalls of male abdication where you're just, yeah, who cares? I'm not leading at all in my home uh, or male domination where I'm leading, but I'm doing it in a way without really working to understand my wife or to show honor to her or to give her desires uh, really an elevated treatment in my own heart. And there's that serious warning, remember, that, that so that your prayers may not be hindered. So let's heed that warning. Let's take it seriously. Wives, there's a lot for you in verses one through six. I think one of the most helpful things to wives is that example of Sarah, where it says, talks about the holy women of old. They used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. And then verse six says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And earlier it talks about these holy women of old, they, they hoped in God. That was really the secret. And so if you want to be a wife that submits to your husband, even at times where there's tension there, what's the key to doing that? hoping in God, committing to do the right thing no matter what, and then not being afraid because getting back to the first thing, your hope is in God and he ultimately is your protector. 
We recently had some teaching on each of these passages at an event we did at our church, our first annual family weekend. And uh, my wife spoke on verses one through six, and Pastor Charlie Matz spoke on verse seven. And I'll put the link in the show notes to those teachings from Family Weekend, so you can go and maybe dig a little deeper on those passages today. As we turn to the Old Testament today, we're going to see a prayer and then a a narrative that I think shows us some of the things really that the prayer describes. The prayer is in Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120. And it starts with these strong words, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And so there, we see even then in verse 115, depart from me, you evildoers. So in this section, the psalmist is taking seriously this idea of separation from the world. And really, to some extent, what we see in the New Testament, bad company corrupts good morals, right? We see him really praying that out. God, get me away from people that will pull me in a wrong direction, away from evil doers. And that's the context, really, we need to read verse 114 in, you are my hiding place and my shield, I hope in your word, that's surrounded by his concerns about the double-minded and evildoers. And so he is praying for God's protection. And he's also reminding himself, really, of the end of these people. Verse 119 says, all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. He's reminding himself how it ends for those that hate God's law, um, for those that disobey, for those who don't follow God. But he even sees the judgment that is coming. And look at verse 120, my flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I don't want to experience what those people are going to experience. So God, keep me away from them. Set me apart according to your word. I was personally very encouraged by verse 116 that says, Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. All right, that in the midst of all this, he's saying, God, help me according to your promise. Let me not be put to shame. And I think often we see that, let me not be put to shame. A big part of it is keep me from evil or, or things that would cause my enemies to look at me and say, hey, look at him. Look at that hypocrite. Look at how he did what we're doing. No, protect me from that shame. Uh, and then I think we see some of these dynamics play out as we go to Jeremiah chapter 37 and 38, because we're going to see Jeremiah really be in a situation. I mean, you can probably imagine him in that well praying something similar to Psalm 119 in that section where he is being abused by those who are double-minded, those that are not following Christ. Um, we see in chapter 37, Jeremiah warning Zedekiah warning him about what is coming from the Babylonians, or here referring to them as the Chaldeans. And then Jeremiah is imprisoned unfairly. Uh, He is accused of deserting to the Chaldeans, which is not what he was doing. So it was uh, an inaccurate, unjust charge that leads to him being arrested. And even Jeremiah is saying some things that make sense in verse 18, when he's saying to the king, what wrong have I done to you or your servants or this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who prophesied to you saying the king of Babylon will not come against you and against this land, right? He's, he's saying, well, how come I'm going to jail when I've told you the truth, but all the people who have lied 
and said, the king of Babylon isn't coming here. Well, look, now he's here. Why aren't they being punished? That makes a lot of sense. But unfortunately, Jeremiah is not listened to. We're going to see that be a theme here in some of these ensuing chapters. We do see some mercy granted to him that he is taken out of this house of Jonathan, the secretary, and brought into the court of the guard. But then we see him thrown into a cistern. But we also see God delivering him, bringing him out of that cistern. And I think there again, we see kind of that connection of just deliverance that we see just from some of the prayers in Psalm 119. So tough times for Jeremiah, but he was being faithful to God. And even some of this persecution he was enduring was because of his faithfulness to God. So let's be encouraged by his example and pray prayers like the prayer that we see in Psalm 119. We wrap up today in John chapter 6 as we look at verses 16 through 24. And here we see uh, the incredible story of Jesus walking on the water. Now, John doesn't record the whole episode with Peter coming out on the water. It's just about Jesus. And Jesus says these encouraging words to his disciples, It is I, do not be afraid. And that's where we can't relate to the circumstances. We are not on a boat. At least you're probably not on a boat right now. Uh, You're probably not on the Sea of Galilee. You're probably not in a storm. And you're definitely not seeing Jesus Christ walk to you across the water. But those words that he says, I think, should give encouragement to us. It is I. Do not be afraid. I mean, we see this in these particular moments in the narrative of the New Testament. But I also think we see throughout the scriptures just the fact that if our trust is in Jesus and he has promised to be with us, we do not need to be afraid. So I hope that encourages you. And even that connects back to first Peter, that we don't need to be afraid of anything that is frightening. So husbands, wives, we don't need to fear. We can do what God has called us to do as we trust in him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.